welcome back to another episode of But Why the Podcast. And today we are talking about The Lion King. As always, I'm Kate and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And this is our first regular episode in a while because Adrian left us to go to Japan. Yeah, it's really weird because we like double recorded an episode and then I wasn't here for an episode. So like in actuality, I've only been gone like a week or whatever, but it feels like longer. Yeah, and then Matt and I were at RTX, which messed up our schedule. We were like, here, take all these interviews. Listen to yeah. these people. <laughs> yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a minute. Uh, But yeah, so uh, like I said, we're talking about The Lion King, and Adrian is going to lead us through this. Yeah, uh, so The Lion King just turned 25 in June, basically when I was in Japan, which seems like forever ago. Um, and the banner, the, the when Lion King turned 25. Both of those things seem like forever ago. Um, and then the remake is set to release the when we release this episode out. So it seemed like a perfect time to do one of Disney's biggest animated movies ever. Uh, so just for the intro question, I don't think anyone doesn't know what The Lion King is. If you don't know what The Lion King is, do you just live under a rock? Uh, do you not know things? So I'll just go with like, where does Lion King fall in your Disney animation pantheon? And not including Pixar. You can include Pixar because they, I don't know, what is a Disney movie at this point? Uh, but I guess just kind of the traditional Disney movies. Yeah, so I think that there's like a solid like delineation between what is Disney animated and what is like everything else. Is there anymore? Well, so like, at least I, so for me, I just kind of lump, whenever I hear somebody say, what's your favorite Disney animated movie? I assume that they mean like the original disney animated movies like what does that even mean exactly though i don't know i cut it off in the 2000s what's i'm saying do like so is it only like the 1990s we count for these movies now i mean kind of i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> how does the age thing work now yeah <laughs> we have all of these other things I don't know. Like, I guess, I guess, I think of it as like standard animation because, like, Frozen isn't Pixar, but it's not standard animation. It, it's CG or it's like a 3D. Um, so I just think of like 2D Disney animation, way back whens. So basically, we only count the 90s. Well, the 90s and before, because oh, oh so yeah. like the upper. Mainly, I guess I think there's a few in the '80s, but I think most of them are all in the '90s, aren't they? Yeah, I think Little Mermaid's technically an '80s movie. Is that '89? Yeah, it's like right on the cusp. Uh, but like Fantasia, it was before, and Snow White is before, but I hate Snow White, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> I don't think it's really uh, works. Cinderella, either. Sleeping Beauty, I believe those are all before the '90s. I think. Anyway, I don't know. My the, for the Lion King, it 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 falls close to the top, um, but it's mainly up there just because I would say I would put it like in a solid top five, mainly because of the soundtrack, which is really good. And uh, my little brother, this was his movie growing up. Like um, for me, Pocahontas. And Aladdin were the two movies I watched all the time. Um, this was like his Disney movie. So like we had like the collector's edition of it. And my uh, mom used to call him Simba. And like he would reenact it the same way I would reenact like 
Pocahontas jumping off crap. My brother would like reenact moments of like eating bugs and stuff, which is hilarious. Uh, so like I have really fond memories of it, uh, mainly because of how it relates to my life. Uh, but I haven't seen it in a really long time. It was just never one of those that I would put in and rewatch myself. But I saw it a lot because of my brother. What so, about you, Matt? So I guess depending on obviously what we're all counting at a Disney movie right now. We'll put we'll put it on the Matt scale. Whatever Matt, what do you count? I mean, if we're going on a Pantheon, uh, probably in like a tier three for me, I guess at this point. I really don't care for The Lion King, to be honest. Um, I've seen it, like, maybe twice, and that's about it. I'm kind of like with the Kate thing, too. Like, I don't like to go... I've never cared to rewatch this movie. It's been a long time since I've actually seen it. The soundtrack is amazing, which kind of keeps it up there. But overall, I just never really cared for The Lion King. I mean, the only time I care for it now is because some of the memes are great. Mainly just throwing Simba off the cliff. This is probably the funny one. That's a real good meme. (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know like i'd like i'd rather watch aladdin fox and the hound i guess the rescuers i think it's in there the time so yeah so i would like to point out given our 90s conversation the rescuers is 80s fox and the hound is 80s i know they are this also goes back to like does the animation goes back to well i was trying to think of the oldest ones i could possibly think of since apparently i'm not allowed to use anything after the aristocrat is 1970 i do not like that one um but no i understand why people like it it was definitely a huge thing i remember it being a huge thing my kid but overall i didn't have a little brother i did have a little brother but they didn't care for this movie either um it's there. I get why people like the cartoon or the the movie, but it's 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 there. Yay. I think Timon and Pumbaa have always just been my favorite because I did watch that TV show growing up. I did not. Yeah, watch the TV. yeah. We'll talk a little bit about and it. I did not like that either. Um, oh, it's... I'm so shocked Matt did not like things. <laughs> I know we keep actually super Disney. educational, man. They did a whole bunch of shorts that we'll talk about later. I'm like surprised on like how much they leaned into the educational aspect of. Timon and Pumbaa. I don't remember any of that, honestly. Yeah, I, I put some of it in our show notes for some videos, yes, so patrons can check it out. Uh, oh. But it's it's my favorite Disney movie um, of like whatever we're talking about here. Dude, Not, I, I, I our imaginary. Up, uh, it's a long ass list. It starts in like forty one yeah. and goes all the way to today because technically they count like the the three D animation and stuff. It's it is really long. Well, there they are, are technically. They are animated movies that are Disney, and at this yeah, point, yeah, like they do like the tra- traditionally animated versus yeah. computer animated. I don't know. Either way, uh, The Lion King is one of, if not my favorite, Disney animated, traditionally animated movie for sure. Traditionally animated. Um, I remember it being like the first VHS I ever rented. Like I remember going into Blockbuster with my dad and picking it out and be like, "Oh, this has a line on it. Let me watch this one." And then we rented it and then bought it and watched and watched it a bunch. So I guess I was that little brother. I guess I wasn't eating bugs and stuff or but it was my favorite growing up. Um my friends and I even went to go when they did like the re-release, we all went to go watch it because we're kind of in that age group. So we all went and watched it and had a had a good time. So I love The Lion King. And um a Lion King 2. Love the Lion King 2. 
I love the TV series. There's a whole bunch of shorts that I didn't know about that I kind of spent way too long watching uh, <laughs> doing the show notes for this. So, uh, and I kind of like learned a lot about its kind of production history because it just didn't have like the, given the success, it didn't have like the, you know, star studded team to kind of make the movie that I would have thought. So we'll just kind of jump into the production history and then talk about some of the, but why those really quickly. So the Lion King itself, in case you don't know what it is, is a, 1994 american animated musical film which i never really think of like oh yeah like all these are musicals yeah like they're musical films uh, which is why like so many actors didn't want to be on it because they didn't want to be on a musical film and it just was they didn't even want this to be some of the writers didn't even want this to be a musical films kind of crazy uh but of course produced by walt disney feature animation and released by walt disney pictures it is the 32nd disney animated feature film and the fifth animated film produced during the period known as the Disney Renaissance. So that's probably what I'm thinking then. Yeah. Like, yes. Okay. That makes more sense. So, is there 30, I, so this is the 32nd, like up to like at the time of this release or overall, like it's just in there. There are 32 other ones now total, or is that just like there were 31 and this one made 32? Yeah, but the, this was the 32nd animated one. And then. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, Disney Renaissance defines the period between 1989 to 1999. Yeah, that's yes. why I asked. Like, are we in time periods anymore? Like, what yeah. is the time period the, now? Like, the, the Disney Little Mermaid. Yeah. Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan. Yeah. Yeah, I'd watch Hercules way over this movie, and I haven't watched Hercules. I always forget about time. Hercules, but that movie's real good. I've watched the movie a lot. I mean, Scar's in it, so technically, I mean. Oh, yeah, Scar is in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the original story of The Lion King tells of Simba, which is Swahili for lion, I learned today. Um, a young lion who is succeeded by his father, Mufasa. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. As king of the Pride Lands. However, Simba's paternal uncle, Scar, murders Mufasa. Simba is manipulated into thinking that he was responsible. He flees into exile, basically grows up with uh, two not lions, comes back, and then throws Scar off a cliff and then wins the day. And the circle of life is complete. Exactly. Just gets <laughs> eaten by hyenas. You always got to murder somebody in a Disney movie. Got to murder. So it's basically directed by like people who don't really haven't really done anything else, which I thought was, which kind of leads into when we get into the production team that this, they didn't put like their A-list team on this movie. So it's directed by Roger Allers, who did the lead story for Beauty and the Beast and director of Open Season. I don't know if y'all remember Open Season, but yeah. that was a movie. It was, and then they made like 20 of them after it, didn't they? Yeah, and they had like, yeah. I think it had a uh, TV show, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, Rob Minkoff, who directed Stuart Little and Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Now that is a great show. And that's kind of it. Like, that's really all they've done, all they have did in, like, the last 20 years. And development began in 1988 when a bunch of the executives, including uh, Walt Disney's nephew, I think it was, came up with a basic idea for the story on a plane when they were en route to Europe to promote Oliver and company. And then they put the team together and basically started production in 1991 at the same time that they were producing and making Pocahontas which at the time had all of their lead animators because Disney thought that Pocahontas was going to be the big success out of the two movies. So 
all of the lead animators went to Pocahontas and they kind of just put together a ragtag team for the Lion King. The story artists didn't have much faith in the project. Even the head writer, Brenda Chapman, um, declared yeah. that she was reluctant to accept the job because the story wasn't very good. Writer Bernie Mattinson um, was quoted by saying, like, I don't know who's going to watch, who's going to want to watch this one. Like, no one really thought this movie was going to be all of that. But spoiler alert, it did really well and was a huge success, despite all of uh, Disney not thinking that it was going to be big. So just for the first movie alone, it's a huge success. So it's grossed 600. It grossed six hundred and sixty eight point five million dollars worldwide, according to Box Office Mojo in 1994, with four hundred and twenty million domestic. In 1994, which puts it as number two in the U.S., losing out to Forrest Gump, but it was the number one movie worldwide in 1994. Um, Adjusted for inflation, it's the number one animated movie from 1998 to present. Number four, not adjusted. And it's the number one when you get, when you break down like the traditionally animated versus computer animated versus CG, blah, 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 blah. It's the number one hand-drawn animation of all time. Has a bunch of awards really kind of stemming from the score primarily. So it has two Golden Globes, one for best musical, uh, well, one in the best musical or comedy category, and one for best original score for a Golden Globe. Also won two Academy Awards in 1995 for best original score by Hans Zimmer and best original song, Can You Feel the Love Tonight by Elton John. So... Um, I have a fun fact there. My coworker's uncle actually has an Academy Award because he produced the uh, the music for Lion King. Oh, nice! Yeah. Does it, did he did he get to meet the Hans? Yeah. Nice. And the Eltons. Yeah. Nice. It also has multiple Annies for Best Animated Feature, Achievement in Voice Acting for Jeremy Irons. And individual achievement for story contribution in the field of animation, which is a mouthful, but it won that Andy as well. If you look at even after it was out of theaters, it's the all time best selling home video with over 55 million copies across VHS, uh, DVD, uh, had a couple of cassettes for uh, the soundtrack and such. Isn't this peak VHS time too? This is yeah. peak VHS time. I think it has like 30 million VHS copies sold. We had a VHS, a standard DVD, the two-disc DVD set, and then we had a cassette and a CD of the soundtrack. Because so we the only thing that, Huh? Oh, no. I was like, because it was like the only thing that would calm my brother down. Like he'd put on the soundtrack and he would just, he would stop crying. So we have all the VHS of all of these Disney movies locked up in a closet at our house. For one day, we will probably sell them all. Just letting them get that value? Yes. <laughs> like a beanie baby. Yeah, well, beanie babies crashed. We're hoping not. So we're like a more, we're, pop. No, we're thinking more like Pokemon cards and not so much like beanie babies where they just all end up collapsing. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully 29 million other people lose their copy of this movie. <laughs> You'd be surprised, to be honest. Some people do not keep VHSs. I was sad. My mom, I had every single, I guess, I had all the VHSs from, I guess, the Disney Renaissance or whatever, and my mom threw them out. Exactly my point. Yeah. She said they were taking up too much space, Mija. They do take up a lot of space. That's a lot of space. (laughs) 
I every time we move, I have to like protect my DVD collections. Same. So, um, so moving on from that, in 2008, The Lion King was ranked as the 319th greatest film ever made by Empire Magazine. In June 2011, Time named it one of the 25 all-time best animated films. Um, in 2008, it was also listed as the fourth best film in animation genre by the American Film Institute. And AFI's 10, ranked at 10 on the top 10 list. But in 2016, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Not and, just or? Well, those are the three criteria for being preserved. Yeah. It has to meet one of those. So um, a lot of the success with this movie, at least for me, when I'm thinking about why I love it so much, it has to, it stems from the animation, the cast, and the music, which I'll get into primarily in our But Why Those. But first, listen to this. Hey, everyone. Do you like But Why Though? Well, the PodCoin app is a podcast player that pays you to listen to this podcast and every other podcast. Just get the PodCoin app on your iPhone or Android and start listening today. It's free and super easy to use with every minute you listen, getting you that sweet, sweet coins. It turns your podcast listening into charity. Or if you're like me, you can get some Amazon or Starbucks gift cards. I use the PodCoin app to do all my podcast listening now, and I can personally say that I love it. Seriously, just go to the PodCoin app and use invite code ButWhyThough. That's B-U-T-W-H-Y-T-H-O. And you'll get 300 PodCoin just for signing up if you use our code. That's 300 PodCoin just for signing up using code ButWhyThough. So go ahead and give PodCoin a try today. So to start with our first But Why Though, we'll talk about the animation a little bit. Um, it's kind of like an extension of the production history because a lot of the things that go behind the scenes for this movie are really cool. Um, and we'll start with basically Pride Rock being modeled after the hell's gate national park which is probably the coolest national park sounding name ever um they took many of the crew there and they basically just accurately like looked at backgrounds and took different like lens flare pictures and like looked at animals kind of in their kind of natural habitat and kind of based a lot of the amazing backgrounds like the beginning first 10 minutes of the movie ours is really inspired by like what they saw in the hell's gate national park they're also like really influenced by a lot of the pictures that they took with some of the lens flares so if you think back to the that beginning sequence where you have um you know like rafiki showing up and opening up the the fruit and you have all of these different lens flares and if you think if you look at some of the other movies in the disney was it renaissance is that this is the period we called it sure. uh not a lot of not a lot of them have that dramatic of lens for layers, but this one does because they were trying to invoke what they were actually getting when you're going to the savannah and you're taking pictures of animals. You get some of those lens flare reflections. They also actually brought in lions, like full grown lions and lion cubs, and watch like lion cubs play together so they can accurately capture their features and know what features to exaggerate to kind of give them kind of more human qualities um, to make each character distinct and to kind of really hammer home a lot of the. Uh, you know, mannerisms that are so specific to like Mufasa compared to Simba compared to uh, Zazu, et cetera, et cetera. 
And something that I thought was really, really interesting is that they modeled some of the animals based on the actors who were playing them. So Jeremy Irons, basically, they animated a lot of his facial features while he was recording some of the lines to mimic um, like what he was doing. So when you're looking at Scar, you're basically looking at Jeremy Irons. So like Andy Serkis, before you had Andy Serkis all dotted up, essentially. Yeah, I will say this, like, I, so while this isn't one of my favorite or it well this is like probably top five of my favorite like movies maybe a little bit lower um scar is one of my favorite villains because of irons's voice and specifically um one of my favorite animated moments is when they're in scar's den and it's all green any of the hyenas like the be prepared sequence is probably one of my favorite things that i've seen in disney animation um and like the elephant graveyard and like it yeah those are like my favorite animated pieces yeah um fun fact for the can you be prepared scene jeremy irons actually blew out his voice before like they finished filming that and because he did one of the other lines so one of the other actors had to like fill in for him i think it was jim cummings who does one of the um who does one of the hyenas had to come in and like finish off okay, uh, be, be prepared because Jeremy Irons didn't deliver his lines correctly after he blew out his voice yelling at a hyena. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, now that I think I don't think that I can tell much of a difference, but that just, yeah. that Jim Cummings is just a tremendous voice actor. And we'll talk about him yeah. a little bit later. I actually think this would be my favorite. Cause I'm trying to think of my villain. Like, you know, every villain has like their own song or whatever. Yeah. I I do think be prepared is probably like one or two. Yeah, like it's really it's one good. That my, my mind always goes to. He's just I mean, scary. Yeah. And like his death is really like emotive too and like just really well done. I don't know. I like Scar. I like Scar a lot. Oh, this this movie did just make me really like hyenas. Um so the team was made up in total of 600 artists and animators and together they put together over 1 million drawings over 1100 hand painted backgrounds and over um and 119,000 individual colored frames for the film so they put in a lot of hand drawn work into this and while all of this is going on. They accomplished this during frequent rewipe rewrites of the story. Cause looking into this, there was supposed to be, you know, Simba was supposed to have like a little brother. Uh, there was supposed to be, you know, Sim or scar and Mufasa weren't actually supposed to be brothers. Like there was like all this stuff that could have happened. So there was a lot of rewrites, which caused the, uh, the animators and the artists to go back and literally redo entire scenes to match up with like the voice audios which is terrible, but seems like what it's like to live in that life. Um, and a few weeks before the film released, there was an earthquake uh, in 1994, which basically made it so that the animators had to do work from home like four weeks before the film actually came out, which is also crazy. And while almost all of the movie is hand-drawn, the wild beast and Pete scene is one of like the few things that is computerly generated but they had to come up with a whole new program to be able to digitally animate like hundreds of wildebeest stampeding together, but, it, but have it look so they're not, you know, running like ramming into each other and kind of folding over each other. And it took them basically the entire time of production to make that scene happen, 
which I thought was really interesting. So I will say that that is still one of the most emotional scenes in a Disney movie. Yeah, for sure. That scene <laughs> crushed me. Absolutely but, crushed me. Uh, that has to be... Because, I mean, there's... Disney is built on a foundation of terrible, terrible parent death. And I think that this is, like, top. <laughs> yeah, and I think it... And looking at, like, that while the, that Wildebeest scene is crazy good, and, like, animation-wise, I went back and rewatched it before this, and it really does have, like, a different feel to it than the rest of the movie does. And I think it's because, like, they came up with, like, a new program to make sure that that scene had the emotional punch it needed to be like, hey, this is, like, some life or death situation here that ends in death and killing of brothers. It's just, oh, I can't. Damn it, Jeremy Irons. I can't. Why are we even talking about this? Why do we do this? Why do we do this? <laughs> Speaking of Jeremy Irons, the, the cast for this movie is pretty pretty star-studded, um, and the voices are pretty distinct. So you have Matthew Broderick, who you might know as Fe uh, Ferris Bueller, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who's Randy Taylor from Home Improvement, was the only thing I can recognize him from. I know he's in other stuff, but like that's all I ever think about when I, when I see him. Uh, Jeremy Irons, who's in a bunch of stuff. I know he's a bunch of stuff, but he's always Simon Gruber from Die Hard 2 to me. That's yes. where I remember him the most. That is um, correct. I know he does, you know, Man with the Iron Mask and like all this other like nope. really like hardcore Iron. stuff. But nope, Die he Hard. is Die Hard. Die Hard. He is Hot Alfred as well, I believe. He's just Die Hard. And that is <laughs> oh, he's, uh, in, uh, he's actually going to be uh, playing uh, Osmandius in Watchmen. Oh. He's still just that hard. Really with his glasses, he's so good with his looks. So yeah. cool with his glasses. He's, uh, he's also so hot. I, I I know him as a lot of things. I remember him as Hot Alfred. So that's it. Die Hard. Yeah, there it is. Hot Alfred. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have James Earl Jones. Uh, do I mean James Earl Jones, man? Like, yeah, like I don't even think you need to explain James Earl Jones, like. Yeah. <laughs> uh you also have Nathan Lane. I don't know how to is it Rowan Rowan Atkinson? Rowan Mr. Yeah. Bean. I know he's yeah. another stuff. I know he's another stuff too, but he's always always gonna be Mr. Bean to me. Uh Whoopi Goldberg, obviously Whoopi Goldberg. Cheech Marine is also in this movie. Um they was he him and Chong were supposed to be in this, but Chong had like a conflict, so it was just Cheech. And then they changed the other hyena to be a female, and that's how Whoopi Goldberg got that part. Yeah. Um, and then Jim Chummings, who has a lot, who's probably like the most, he has the biggest credits out of anybody on this movie. Uh, but I guess most recently, Hondo from Star Wars and lots of other voices. He has voices on Mass Effect. He has voices on a bunch Duck of video Tales, games, Duck Games. Yeah, he's huge laundry list. Um. And they cast the actors basically like basically to the way they so the actors were chosen for how they fit and how they could add characters. So for instance, James Earl Jones was cast because the directors found his voice powerful, similar to a lion's roar. Um I mean like he's a voice that you could be in the same room with him and you would think it is coming from the sky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I can get someone other than Morgan Freeman to voice God, it'd de definitely be James Earl Jones in this time period. Uh, Nathan Lane originally auditioned for Zazu, Ernie Sabella, one of the hyenas, and Ernie Sabella for one of the hyenas, but they cast him in different roles because of how well they play different things. 
Um, and I will say that that is one of the things from the one of the things that I've seen from the 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 remake that I've actually really liked has been uh, Billy Eichner's casting as Timon because he really cast like I think Nathan Lane and him have a similar style um, and it just works really well and I I like Nathan Lane has a really really distinctive voice and so like as you're like naming everybody I'm like oh I can actually like all of these people have very 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 signature voices like i would never not think of them and like know their voice or be able to pick out their voice from something yeah so like they basically auditioned for different characters but like you said their chemistry together was so good that they put them into the other roles um which i think is super like you're just basically changing around things just based on like how the actors sound i think that's why everything sounds so distinctive in the movie um, again, like I said, they they tried to put in Cheech and Chong, but um, Tommy Chong couldn't do it, so they changed the other hyena. So Whoopi Goldberg can play it. Matthew Broderick, who was cast as adult Simba early during production, and during the three years of voice acting, only recorded with another actor one time throughout the entire time, um, and only discovered Maura Kelly, who voices Nala at the premiere. So like all of those scenes that you see with him and Nala, they didn't even record them together, which is normal. But like for three years, like you didn't do a scene with somebody else other than just one person. That's crazy. Can we also like, can we also make a point to say that in the remake, James Earl Jones's voice was so good that he is still playing Mufasa? Out of yeah. Yeah. I, I saw, uh, looking at that, James Favreau kept him because even though his voice sounds different and everyone knows it sounds distinctly different, even yeah. going to like the Star Wars um, the latest Star Wars movie. So like he sounds his voice now sounds like a king who has like seen some shit. So that's why they they still kept his voice as like the only returning voice in the in the movie. Uh okay, yeah. Um and then English actors Tim Curry and Malcolm McDowell were were originally considered for the role of Scar. However, Curry left to go be in Home Alone 2 and Basically, Jerry Irons won out the role. However, he initially refused the role due to not being comfortable going from the dramatic performance in as Klaus von Blue in Bulo. Bl- yeah, Bulo. There's there's dots above the U. What is this? Another language <laughs> in uh, Reversal of Fortune to basically like that dramatic role to a comedic role. But once he came in, Irons' performance even inspired writers to incorporate more of his acting from his previous role and even adding in lines like you have no idea um and basically like changing around the character of scar because of how jeremy irons came in and gave such a convincing performance i'm not gonna lie though i would love to see tim curry as scar like, i would I just, too i'd be I down yeah i'd be down but not that, like i'm saying jeremy irons is but bad, jeremy but, like, irons though yeah, like it, it's just one of those where, like, if there was somebody else, because like even Malcolm McDowell's cool, but like the only other person I could see as Scar really is like in the animated piece is Tim Curry. Like just thinking back to his voice, um, but that's also probably because Legend is one of my favorite movies, and he literally plays the devil in it. Yeah, he he can definitely do it. Um, so moving on a little bit from the actors will talk about the music because i think this is definitely one of the biggest pieces 
Uh, we talked earlier about how they have Academy Awards, they have Golden Globes, they even have Grammys on how well the music was. Um, and they really took some of the best music minds and to put it together. So the original songs from the movie were written by Elton John and Tim Rice. Tim Rice, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, Aladdin, The Road to El Dorado. Which the last one of those is highly underrated on songs. The Road and, to El Dorado is so good. And it also has basically all the same people in it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, Elton John went to an early screening of The Lion King and they didn't put Can You Feel the Love Tonight into the movie and basically he talked his way into getting the movie getting it put back into the movie <laughs> and then he won an Academy Award off of it. So, thank you Elton John for complaining <laughs> to get your song back in the movie. That's amazing. So the score itself was created by one of the greatest of all time, Hans Zimmer which all, which he also supplemented with traditional African music. Uh, we got to do a Hans Zimmer episode. I think this is like not necessarily back-to-back weeks that we've talked about Hans Zimmer, but definitely getting close to it. Fun fact, I pleaded for a Hans Zimmer episode, but I was told we had to do John Williams before we were allowed to do a Hans Zimmer episode. But then we did the John Williams episode, and then you realize how much more awards he has than Hans Zimmer. Yep. I'm sorry they don't give silver. <laughs> <laughs> There's no participation trophies at the Academy Awards, unfortunately. Oh, if they gave silvers, he would be up there. Yeah. Oh, also, it's not a, it's not an Academy. It's a Grammy. My friend's uncle has a, or my coworker's uncle has a Grammy for it. That's what it is. Because I think the Grammy is the entire soundtrack. What is cooler? Would you rather have the ga- the Grammy or the Academy Award? I don't know. I feel like either one of those things. Do they even matter anymore? I mean, they mattered back then. I think well, they I matter when you get one of each. I think it matters when you get an EGOT, like Rita Moreno. Yeah. You get, like, one of everything. So you don't need a lot of them. You just need one of each. Yeah. Because it, it, they're all for different things. It's it's the an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Yeah. You got you got it. It's like a well-rounded, per- like not well-rounded, but like it's it's a very rounded talent, essentially. Uh, and ultimately, it's one of it is like the best-selling soundtrack to an animated feature, with over seven million copies sold, and it sold almost five million in 1994 alone. Uh, Kate, you're. Uh, you contributed a lot to those numbers, apparently. Yep. Yes, we did. We <laughs> contributed a whole bunch. And then according to whatever the record label people thing is, it's the seventh best-selling music soundtrack of all time behind Dirty Dancing, or Titanic at number six, Dirty Dancing, Forrest Gump, Purple Rain, Saturday Night Fever, and The Bodyguard at number one. I also had a Titanic cassette. <laughs> So, what is the actual soundtrack of the? Is it the 1980s movie, The Bodyguard? I'm assuming. Yeah, the one with Whitney Houston. Okay, I'm just trying to think of like what was on that soundtrack. Whitney Houston Houston was on that soundtrack. (laughs) 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 That's how you sell 18 million copies, basically. Uh, Yeah. It has "I Will Always Love You." That's why it's number one. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's why. That's why it's number one. Okay, that makes sense. and then you like hold that note for like fucking 10 seconds i recognize that song i did not know whitney houston sang that song yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other fun fact forrest gump 
1994, also on this list. So The Lion King and Forrest Gump basically ruled 1994 box office and soundtrack-wise, apparently. Which is also funny, because didn't Forrest Gump soundtrack basically just because they traveled through like history doing all the stuff? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. This is a pretty comprehensive soundtrack, I guess. Never really thought, like, oh, let me go listen to the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Well, because they have, like, Elvis on there, and then they have, like, obviously going into, like, the war soundtrack of all that era, and then basically they kind of just end up playing the best music from each, like, era that he's alive. Yeah. I mean, and Purple Rain is basically just Prince, so. Prince being Prince. Yeah. It's just a Prince album. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Yeah, so like the music is great, and uh, I mean we can spend the entire time talking about the music. I mean, I just can't wait to be king. Can you feel the love tonight? Be prepared. The literal intro song to the movie—they're um, all just fantastic, fantastic music. I mean, this is probably the best part that I remember of this movie. Like I said, I, this is not one of my upper Disney movies, depending on obviously how much we count of Disney or Star Trek timeline or whatnot. But I do know the music in this movie is great. Yeah, for sure. Which I think that, it up there for me, to be honest. I think that there are probably some people who like maybe know the movie less, but definitely know the songs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it could not be like an upper echelon, but you know, Akuna Matata. Exactly. Yes. And what and what it means. No worries. No worries. But we are going to worry about the controversy surrounding The Lion King. (laughs) Because we got to talk about it. Um, And it really just kind of surrounds the story. While I think the story is great, you know, the coming of, like, living up to your father, throwing Scar off the thing, all really really great. However, there's a bunch of controversy surrounding the story. Um, and it basically starts like at the start, Disney touted and advertised and still touts the Lion King as their first animated feature to be an original story rather than based on an existing work. Yeah. But some people are like, Hey, no. So the filmmakers, even themselves, a lot of people, not some people, (laughs) the majority of people, I wouldn't say the majority of people, because I think (laughs) the majority of people, I don't think the majority of people know about Kimba and what we're going to talk about is what I'm saying. Okay. I think if we wouldn't poll the people in the street, I'm like, hey, I mean, is Simba it Kimba or Simba? I think we're just on Twitter and the internet. I think the norm, I think average person, average person wouldn't know what Kimba is. I've known about this since I was a kid. Like, this isn't even me being an adult learning about it. Like, it was child Kate learning about it. So I'm with Adrian well on known. this one. I guarantee if we pulled the general public, no clue. I feel like they would know. I the feel like people would be a lot more upset about this movie being this movie if people knew about Kimba. Mm. But before Kimba, like before, even before that, and I'm saying this is the original story, the filmmakers themselves have taken said that they gained, they got inspiration based on the lies of Joseph and Moses from the Bible, as well as William Shakespeare's Hamlet. So that is really clear. Outside yeah, of Kimba. Yes. Like, this yeah. is extremely Shakespearean. Yeah, which, which I mean, a lot of the Disney movies are, right? And, like, even leading up to this, the, a lot of, everything they've done is kind of like rehashed stories. But, like, at the start, if you're already saying, like, hey, this is kind of like, this is, you know, like Hamlet, but for kids. 
but we're still going to kill people. Uh, then like you're still then you can't say this is like the most original story ever kind of thing, in my opinion. But like because they got they took inspiration from Hamlet and they took inspiration from the story of Joseph, Joseph and Moses, like they had to rewrite a bunch of stuff, which led to kind of like the thought we talked about earlier about them rewriting entire scenes. Because even things like Mufasa's death, as as extreme as they are in the movie themselves, apparently was way worse, like way more tragic. So they had to rewrite a bunch of stuff because they were taking inspiration from like really tragic stuff um, in existing stories. I have a question. Yes. So what is worse, saying something is based on a true story, which you barely have anything at all, or saying something is an original story in which you just kind of erased a few, changed it up a little bit? I'm also just kind of like, so I think it would be an original story. But I also question that because I'm like, is the rescuers based on something? Because the rescuers is well before this. Well, according to them, it has to have been since they touted this like in like their advertisement and still today that this is their first original story. I don't know what it would be based on, though. I've had the same question, Kate, when I was a kid. But I just gave up. <laughs> yeah, so the, I'm looking at the Rescuers page. The Rescuers isn't based on anything. I did too because I really like the Rescuers. It's one of my favorite ones, and I didn't ever know there was anything. And the Nightmare from. Before Christmas is also an original story. Come on, we really count the Nightmare Before Christmas. It's, it's now a Disney it? movie. It has. But, come... but does it come out the same animation? No, it's not the same animation, but it, it's it's still an original story. The more movies we're saying, I'm dropping this movie lower and lower. I, I mean, stop it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the thing is. I don't know. DuckTales, the movie? That's an original story. <laughs> A goofy movie? Oh, that's, after. that's after. That's after. That's after. I was like, I, I just, I can't. Well, like, I like how none of this has to do anything with my question. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I think it's saying that it's an original story when it's not probably bothers me more. Because I watched a movie that said based on a true story, and all they had was... Uh, for the Rescue, it says, in 1962, the film began production, began development with its initial treatment developed from the first book centering oh. on a poet held captive by a totalitarian government in Siberia-like stronghold. Okay. So I think that's why they did this like that. But who knows? Well, that, because on, that, that is not considered original based on Siberian Stronghold book, what this is. I, I don't know. Marketing! Man. I don't know, marketing. Okay, okay, okay. That's why it's a controversy, man. I'm not saying I agree or disagree with anything that's going on here. I'm just saying some weird stuff it's going marketing. on. It's marketing. And the bigger, the bigger part of this is that some people, many people, I don't know, I believe that it's basically kind of just a straight up off of the Jungle Emperor, or Kimba the White Lion, as it's called in the U.S., yeah. and whatever you want to call, I'm gonna call it Kimba the White Lion because that's what Kimba it was called here. So I'm not gonna judge the Jungle Emperor Leo. But I'm not gonna go through all those names. I'm sorry, sorry. Kimba the White Lion was created in 1960 by Usuma Tezuka. Tezuka, who is a comic Japanese manga artist who also created Astro Boy. The series would be the manga would be turned into an animated series in 1965 with like a couple of like 
smaller movies here and there. But basically, the big part was that the second half of the manga was turned into a movie that started production in 1989, around the same time that The Lion King was started production. However, because their animation team isn't Disney, uh, they released theirs in 1997, three years after The Lion King. Oh, there's where you went wrong. You went three years after. You can't. You gotta be first. Yeah, but it was also like an animated it show before. Before the movie. Yeah. Uh, like, I think the series was like what in the fifties. The series was in the in sixty five. Sixty five. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as soon as it came out, like Japan tried to protest with like four hundred and eighty eight Japanese cartoonists and animators signing a petition, but nothing really came of it because you're going against you know the Disney powerhouse. Um. And I will say that, like, Kimba is a pretty big staple in, like, Japanese culture. Like, you see it kind of everywhere. Like, the way that you would see Simba, like, advertised and things, you would see Kimba advertised the same way, like, in uh, juice box commercials and stuff like that. Or is, it's even they have tie-dyed t-shirts with Kimba's face in a frame like we had of Simba? I'm not sure. I'm not sure because he's a white lion, so I'm not sure how that would work. But I do know that, like, when we were in Japan a couple of weeks ago, Kimba was in a lot of places, especially like in Tokyo and Osaka, some of the bigger cities. And even some of the baseball teams are modeled like Kimba is like literally the mascot of one of the baseball teams in Japan. Yeah. Um, so when they saw the Lion while we were seeing Lion King, you're like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. And original Japan was like, hey, this is basically Kimba. Well, this and this also like this happened with Aladdin too. Like I brought it up in the Aladdin in our Aladdin episode, uh, the Thief and the Cobbler. It it came out after Aladdin, but it started production before. Um, so like Disney kind of has a a streak yeah. of doing this. Nobody cares when you start production; it's when you release it. When are you gonna realize this? <laughs> well, there are like a whole bunch of crazy theories on how like that's how people move over, like animators move over to Disney is by like selling information from their projects that they were on and then they jump ship and go to Disney. Um, but yeah, that's a conspiracy, possibly. Is it really a conspiracy? Eh, probably not. Yeah, this is I mean, and I we're talking about, <laughs> and while like the stories aren't the exact same in terms of like what happens, like there are some pretty big striking similarities even when you look at the production art like a lion trying to live up to the legacy of his father two cubs who grew up into adulthood together uh animals like literally like the scenes of animals crossing the savannah during a sunset a villain lion with a scar in his face who the main character ends up throwing off a cliff and we can keep talking about like the rafiki type yeah. And the Zazu type are and all I, in this all I in this thing. I also think that like it's important to like point out too is like even though it was a series and the movie came out after, it was a manga before. So like, yeah, somebody who came up with the Lion King idea easily they they could have easily been reading the the Kimba manga on the plane. <laughs> yeah, even without like a finished animated piece. Yeah, I mean, and then it just comes down to like. Because a lot of even some of the scenes are pretty similar, but it just comes down to production quality. Like the Lion King is way better quality than Kimba is, but that's also because you have 600 animators working on the thing, um, and we don't we don't even get a of the of the movie that comes out, Jungle Emperor Leo, whatever the movie's called. We don't even get like an English dub of it because it comes to like one film festival, and then Disney's like, "Hey, get this off." And then it, that we don't get it again. 
basically. He would never do anything like that. Nope, nope, they they did that. Um, and it's funny because The Simpsons basically had a joke almost immediately in 1995 where uh, it's the episode where Lisa is like trying to like make people make make her teacher proud and she basically shows up in the sky or whatever and he says, You must avenge my death, Kimba. I mean Simba. So like even the Simpsons is on top of it. And writers and animators know that this is a thing. One interesting th- if you look at like the executives, everyone everyone says, Oh no, this that's we don't we don't know anything about it. But if you look at the cast of the Lion King, even they thought, you know, even they saw Kimba uh, Kimba relations. So Matthew Broderick had said that when he was hired for the voice of adult Simba in the Lion King, he presumed that the project was related to Kimba, the white lion. He was quoted as saying, I thought he meant Kimba who was the white lion in a cartoon when I was a little kid said Broderick. So I kept telling everybody that I was going to play Kimba. I didn't really know anything about it, but I didn't really care. (laughs) Animators, Tom (laughs) and Mark Kulsler who have story credits have admitted to watching Kimba and assumed many of their colleagues had too, especially if they grew up in the 1960s. But again, <laughs> Disney's official stance that this is not a ripoff. <laughs> well, however, said that, so it's not a ripoff. I don't know why you we are even arguing this. However, Mufasa's death scene better than anything that's in Kimba the White Line. So, <laughs> <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, does it matter if the production is ten times better? Yes. If you look at these things side by side, it's not even close. Well, yeah, that's what I'm. That's like one of the reasons why Disney gets away with a lot of the intellectual property theft that they do. Yes, is because they just produce it better. Yeah, like if you look at the the similar scenes of when the lions get thrown off the mountain, the fight scene with Kimba and what's his name, Claw is the name of the other line. It's not even close. It looks like... like I could have drawn that. I feel like... <laughs> it's just not even close. Basically, our entire country of... It doesn't matter what you do. It's just who can do it the best. And stealing from other countries. Yes. Yes, that's what we gotta do. Now, this is original property. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Original property. Um, um, moving on from the movie and that controversy... It's also uh, funny when you think about it, though, because Disney won't even let you play a clip of their movie in a classroom without permission. Like, technically, teachers can get sued for playing Disney movies, oh, um, and a couple I, have. I would, I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> I have never done that in my classroom. Um, so moving on from like this, the sense of the first movie, like despite like whatever happens, Kimbo the White Lion, blah 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 blah, like this. The first movie is so successful that it spawns just so much more than just the first movie. And from movies to TV to video games to musical, like this first movie success spawns a whole lot of things. So from the first movie, you have the first movie in 1994. Then you have some animated films from Timon and Timon and Pumbaa films based on the animated series in 1996 through 1997. Uh, where they basically just had like three animated films where they put a bunch of the multiple episodes together into a movie format, kind of similar to the way that um, they did it with Futurama that we talked about in our episode, where they just kind of put a bunch of episodes together and said, here, here's a movie. Lion King 2, Simba's Pride in 1998. It's terrible. 
What? I like that. Oh movie my god! A stop lot. it, Matthew. It's probably like one of the only good Disney, like Disney animated sequels. Name a better animated sequel good. in this genre other than Lion King two. In this genre, Prince of Thieves is actually really good, or King of Thieves is really good. Yeah, the Aladdin sequel. The first Aladdin's garbage. Second Aladdin's garbage. No, just kidding. <laughs> They're all terrible. All the sequels are terrible. That's why they're like direct to DVD. Not all of them are bad. And Simba's Pride is really good. And that's not because I thought whatever his name was was attractive for a lion and felt real weird. How do you think we felt about Nala? Come on, man. You don't lay you don't lay a lion down in the field like that. Come on, man. With Elton John playing in the background. I don't like this. Um, didn't you have Lion King one and a half? Isn't this Lion King, I have is. There we go. Kovu is hot. <laughs> Just what? How did we get okay? Lion King Simba's of... Pride. Yeah, that too. was the name of the adopted son. Yeah. Just worried about which lion was hottest. No. It was he. 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 He's he's a fairly attractive lion. It's really weird. That's why I said it was weird to begin with. And then it gets also weird when you realize that lions are all pretty much just one pack and Nala is his sister, but. They don't do actual lion stuff. Animation. And technically Simba probably wouldn't have adopted a kid. He would have have killed his own kids because that's what lions do. Yes. They do a lot of messed up stuff in lions. Um, Lions are bad. They just didn't bother to show any of that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Scar's kind of a dick. Yeah, I think Scar's the most liony lion there. Yeah, know, you're, you're just, correct. Yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I feel like uh, Mufasa might have, would have probably wanted to kill Simba over Scar, possibly. Yeah. Like, well, I, mean, anything... I mean, he casts Scar out, basically. So, I mean, he does kind of what lions do. No, Mufasa would have killed his son instead of rearing him up to be something. Infanticide is very common among lions. Especially very com- Doesn't mean it's the rule. It does actually. I've, I've seen I've seen documentaries. I mean, okay. Timon or uh, yeah, Timon shouldn't even been in that area of Africa in the first place. Yes. Like so, it's not historically accurate. Obviously, it's an original story. Duh. <laughs> They also found out that the uh, ants in the beginning of the movie are only in South America, aren't, aren't even in Africa. <laughs> it's an original story, Adrian. That's what I'm saying, man. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, The Lion King 1 and a half, or Lion King 3, as it's known as everywhere else except for the U.S. and Canada, apparently, is in 2004. There is two movies based on the second animated series, The Lion Guard. The Lion Guard, Return of the Roar in 2015. What? And The Lion Guard, The Rise of Scar in 2017. I'll talk about them here in a second when we get to the other TV stuff. I've never even heard of these. Yeah, I hadn't either. I had to go back and like look at some YouTube videos. But in terms of television, it does spawn two animated series, Timon and Pumbaa from 1995 to 1999. Basically follows Timon and Pumbaa in their adventures in Africa and across the world. Three seasons. 85 episodes on CBS, Disney Channel, and Toon Disney. 
I watched this show. I thought it was okay. I thought it was good. I liked it. I thought it was good. I watched it. I think it came on like right after the Hercules show. Yeah, I've seen this. This one's not that bad. This is a lot better than whatever you've talked about those other movies that we just don't care about. But small man Puba. <laughs> I just remember all the counting. Then you have The Lion Guard, which premiered in 2016, and I guess it's still going. I couldn't find anything about its cancellation or anything, but it is about Simba's youngest son, Kion, who becomes the leader of the Lion Guard, who is a team of animals who protect the Pride Lands and defend the circle of life. Like how his name is Kion, and he is the friend of the lead of the Leons, and not is a lion, and his name is Kion. Maybe it is Kion. I don't know. I don't watch the show. It's probably Kion, I guess. But it seems like you on the nose. And I don't know if I like it. I think Kion. I mean, but do you expect less? I know, but just yeah. I mean, Simba's like... name is like Lion. Oh God! Sweaty, I, I looked guess. up. So I looked up the pictures. This little Kion Lion, whatever. He has a he has a tattoo. Yeah, he he's got the. I don't know. He has he's some like paw print tattoo. He has some special like Lion power or something like that because he's like thing. <laughs> I, did, I, I may have done a little reading. What is it. this? He's I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. He's make everything a superhero of some sort now. Even the lion. He has. He has like a little lion tattoo on his shoulder. All I know is that it has two seasons and it's at fifty-five episodes so far on Disney Junior and Disney Channel. So I guess it's doing fine. I feel sorry for these kids these days. Uh, it looks. I mean, it looks alright. Animation looks cool. I mean, it's, I don't it has, know. The lion has a tattoo and apparently powers. I'm just very confused, and this reaffirms my like my idea that Disney does not do original things anymore with their own properties, their hey, original man. properties, not the ten other franchises that they now own by buying other things. He's Kion. The <laughs> I don't know. I don't watch it. Whatever. Uh, moving on from there, we talk about some of the shorts, which are basically just like educational shorts that I did not know that The Lion King did. So the first one is Find Out Why, which is essentially an educational series with Timon and Pumbaa answering science questions like, um, like what is electricity? Or like, how does like lightning work? And stuff, and I couldn't. Only thing I could find was like this person with their 1940s camera phone watching a television thing of the thing. But I put it in our show notes just in case you want to look at it. And then you have Timon and Pumbaa's Wild About Safety from 2008 to 2013, which basically has like a bunch of safety lessons, like safety around the house and fire safety and online safety, like what not to do online. And things like that. There's about eight episodes, about 12 minutes long. And apparently it won a bunch of like educational awards. It, it's definitely aimed at younger kids. But it basically has Timon and Pumbaa doing things. With, with Pumbaa basically teaching you like how not to be an idiot around different things in your life. How does Pumbaa type? <laughs> I, I don't know. How does he get a computer? I I have no idea. I don't. But apparently, Pumbaa knows these things. He I knew how computer, he knew right? how stars work. Damn it! I, he knew how he knew that stars just weren't kings in the sky. He knew that they were just big balls of gas. So I trust Pumbaa to tell me how to know how to get out of a fire safely. 
which is basically what the videos are about. Again, for our patrons, there's a link in our show notes on a whole playlist on YouTube of these videos. And the last short you have is on, I don't know how to pronounce it. Cause it's like, it's like one of like the characters names in the line guard. Unbungalievable. Unbungalievable. I think is, is what it is. I think there's like a character called Bunga in the thing. But basically, it's a short series of two characters from the Lions Guard who pick two animals to compete in contests. Like, who is quicker? Who has better hair? Who's hungrier? Who who flies better? A uh, crane or a butterfly or something like that. It's basically just two minute long videos, like with some cool facts about different animals. And there's like a bunch of them on YouTube, and I might have spent a lot of time <laughs> watching them. It's kind of reminiscent to like the kind of like short things that they used to do on Animal Planet when Animal Planet was about animals and not tree houses. Those are cool. So if the Lion Guard series is terrible, at least they're doing cool stuff about educating kids about how animals actually work. Because it's basically, it's not like animated animals, right? It's just like them animated on top of like actual animals doing animal things. So it's more of an educational piece. Which seems more interesting than like how to get out of a fire. And more important, I guess. So, moving on from the shorts. You have the musical that started in 1997 and is still going on today. I think they're doing a UK tour right now. And it basically features the main story with some minor changes. And it has like the actors in animal costumes and hollow puppets. I don't know if either of you have seen the Lion King Broadway show. But not I've heard it's one of the best things ever. Also, the only time I've ever tried to go, those prices are ridiculous. Yeah, I can't like I, I went to go see this thing. Yeah, no, I went when <laughs> it was in Austin when I was in college still and I had discount tickets at Bass Concert Hall. And I sprung for like the floor seats, and it is one of the best shows I have ever been to in my entire life. Yeah, so I think that would probably be by the time I think the last time I looked at tickets prices. Yeah, it it's it's a fantastic show, and I can't recommend it enough. If you ever go, even if you don't like, even if Lion King isn't in your like top echelon of animated movies, the production quality, the sets, the music is fantastic. It's so good. Um, and after almost two, after almost three decades now, ninety five productions, over ninety million attendees, the musical has taken in over eight point one billion dollars across all of its. Um, what 23 years? 20, 20, whatever, how many is it? Mm, 22 years? Yeah, um, so it's been around for a long time, and as Matt said, those ticket prices are crazy, so yeah. it's made over 8.1 billion dollars. I don't know where it falls in the, in the scope of musicals, but I know that this is one of like I think this is either like the first or like the only like really consistent Disney musical. Because I know that they try to do like other ones as well, but like this is the one that like I remember when it started or whatever, and it was like a, a must go to. And it is fantastic. If you get every chance to go see it, it is amazing. And there's a reason why it's still going on to this day because it's that good of a musical. Like I thought the Shrek, I thought Shrek the musical was good. This is on another level of just goodness. And then moving on from there, we do have a few video games, and I played like one of these but apparently matt has two really great stories so the video games it has it has two based on the first movie essentially like the lion king in 1994 on nes game boy 
uh, Sega Master and Sega Genesis, PC, Game Gear, and Lion King oh, Simba, okay. Simba's Mighty Adventure on PlayStation, Game Boy Color in 2000, Timon and Pumbaa's Jungle Games on the PC in 1996, Typing with Timon and Pumbaa, PC and Mac. So Timon and Pumbaa just teaching you everything, even how to type without thumbs. The Lion King one and a half for Game Boy Advanced, and the characters are basically playable in lots of different Disney franchises. Uh, Disney's Extreme Skate Adventure, which is apparently a Tony uh, Hot Pro Skater re thing, which I didn't know existed, but I kind of want to play it. What? Kingdom Hearts and Disney Friends. You have playable characters from Disney and all of those. Extreme Skate Adventure is something that I kind of want to look up and yeah. play. So I have played uh, two of these. Um, the Timon and Pumbaa's uh, Jungle Games I played on, on a PC before. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's where I got all the counting from. I uh, remember all that. Um, correctly. And then The Lion King I played in 1994 on the Sega Genesis. I forgot about a game here, but the Sega Genesis. And this is where I have my two stories, in which there are two parts of this game, where one, you're riding on the back of, I believe it's the giraffe or whatever, when you have to run when Simba's on the back. And you have to jump over the tree branches. And so apparently you have to jump either duck or jump over. And there's always one that has like, I, it's like you had two tree branches. And apparently you're supposed to jump in the middle of it. This is also like the days before we had sensitive controllers. And so I spent a good like hour trying to figure out, do I try to jump higher? Or can I just somehow duck before you finally had to like tap it and get it right in the middle? But the best thing and the main reason I remember this game is... As we've talked about, maybe I don't know about on this thing, but there are some games that apparently you must fulfill uh, certain criteria in order to finish the level. Well, for this game, to beat Scar, you had to actually throw him, you had to do the move to actually throw him off the cliff, which I did not know. And so I just spent 45 minutes just beating Scar up, thinking he would die, and then <laughs> he would just get back up. And I was like, why will this person not die? And I spent over 45 minutes doing this over and over again. And I quit and I did it multiple times before I finally realized that, oh, you have to throw him off the cliff. <laughs> not you just beat him and he has unlimited health. Yeah. Yeah. You have to murder your uncle in that, in that one. <laughs> the game's actually pretty good, though. Yeah, I'm looking at the things. I did play. Trying to murder his uncle, he was just not doing it the correct way. Yes, this was a time before they're like, "Oh, you're allowed to kill people," and then we'll cut scene him falling out of cliff, even though you like slapped him in the face. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures. I did play this on the Game Boy, and I I remember what you are talking about. It it must have looked so much better though, like on the Sega though. Yeah, so I played this one on the Sega. This was time when they had all the games come out. So I played this one. I played the Aladdin one that came out. Um, I feel like they had some other ones, but they had a lot of the Disney games for the movies came out this time, and they weren't that bad. I remember Aladdin was fun. Also had a bunch of parts that was like really confusing and hard, because back in the day, they just said, hey, go learn how to do this shit. Good luck. Um, there was no YouTube. No YouTubes. No YouTube. no YouTubes or Reddit. I wonder, I wonder if there's YouTube tutorials now for the Lion King game, to, so you can get past the Scar end game. But that Who is the knows? one thing I remember is I beat that thing. I beat him so bad, but he would not die. <laughs> um, so that's kind of all I have for like, but why those, right? Like it's animated beautifully and stands like the test of time in its animation. Um, 
even though like they kind of remastered it or or whatever, like in the early two thousands, the original animation still holds up really well because they put such a big team on this. Even though it was like their B team, um, I would say that the animation in this is some of the the best you have. Uh, the music is fantastic. Even if you don't remember, if even if you never watched the movie again, you know the songs. And there's always like one controversies to talk about with this movie. Um, so I guess before we do the, uh, I guess uh, obviously between fan photos and fun facts, um, is anybody actually wanting to see the live action or planning to see it? That should be releasing, I guess, in a few days. Um, I'm planning to see it after we come back from our camping trip. If I wasn't going to camping trip, I'd probably see it opening weekend. I just love The Lion King, and I want to see stuff. Yeah, I hope I I've heard I've I've heard that it's a really great like shot for shot like remake like adaptation stuff. Um, I'm not moved to want to go see it. I mean, I I have a rough time with these live actions anyway. Um, but then it's also like it's not a live action; it's just hyper realistic animation. Um, which that wording bugs me. Um, but the cast is like really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I really haven't like looked at anything. Like, I muted all the stuff like a couple weeks ago, yeah. just because every other tweet was about the Lion King when like they released the thing. Um, but like little that I have, like, I know like people are like, "Oh, Beyonce ruined it," and I watched like a clip, and I was like, "It sounds like Beyonce is a lion." Like, why? Why? What's wrong with Beyonce being a lion? Like, if anything, I'm more worried about seeing Donald Glover as like Simba, because like Donald Glover is not a very imposing figure. But I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go see it. Like, I'm going to go see it regardless. And I'm going yeah. in with, like, no expectations and, like, not caring what people say about it. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy it and have a good time. I'm pretty sure I'm going to walk out of it happy. Yeah. Because um, I think my the only thing that bugged me, at least, because I've watched all the clips and stuff, is just the the animation for the faces of the animals is just real weird. It's kind of like the same problem that Disney had when it did its Jungle Book animals. Um, and I think it's from the same people. Either way, it's going to make money. Like, the moment it comes out, it's going to make a crap ton of money. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they're going to get my 10 to $12, depending if I don't go see it on a Wednesday. Uh, thanks, Draft House. But, yeah, I mean, I'm going to see it. I, the whole animal face thing doesn't really bother me because they're supposed to be doing it as, like, they're actually animals. And as much as I love animals, I've never seen a lion smile before. Uh, and animators, when they did the animation for the movie, said that they had to like exaggerate features anyway because it does those wasn't the way that scar moves isn't the way a lion like moves. They exaggerate it to give him like human features. So none of that stuff really bothers me. I just want to see a beautifully done movie and hear a great cast is is what I'm going for. And if anything, if they're less emotionally driven, I won't cry when Mufasa dies. So that's a win-win for me. There you go. Yeah. So before we get into family, why those, I did have like a couple of fun facts that we've, we might've kind of talked a little bit about so far, but um, I couldn't really fit them in, in anywhere else really. So a couple of fun facts. Um, the Lion King, the first one is the only Disney animated film to be dubbed in Zulu in South Africa. Some of the characters, again, like we talked about at the beginning, are based off Swahili words. So Simba is lion, Rafiki is friend, Pumbaa is fool, which feels disingenuous because I think Pumbaa is a lot smarter than we give him credit for. 
And Shenzi means barbarian in Swahili. Oh, that's cool. Um, Simba and Scar weren't animated in the same places. So the lead animator for Scar was in Florida and the lead animator for Simba was in California. So all the scenes you see of Simba and Scar are basically like done separately and they kind of like put them on top of each other. Um, talking about hyenas earlier, Matt, there was a hyena preservation agency or something who basically like sued for defamation of characters of hyenas because they made hyenas seem to be worse than they are when hyenas and lions are basically just as much scavengers as the other is, um, et cetera, et cetera. So someone they they made hyenas look very bad in this movie. I've seen the hyena who sticks his head up an elephant's butt, so I have a very low standard for hyenas. <laughs> personally. I have uh, some towns where actually hyenas actually live with humans and they like will feed them. I know that cool. another fun fact that I saw that they originally were going to cast they were they were gonna have hyenas, they were gonna have like the wild African dogs as the hyenas, but they didn't do it because one, they are endangered, I guess, and they didn't want to use them. Which I think if they would have used them, I think it would have been better, I guess. But I guess because hyenas and lions are actually kind of not the best of friends in in nature, they went with hyenas instead. But and we talked about stuff being uh being egotted, having the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. And because of the musical, the franchise itself actually does have an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony win. So while it's not a single person. The franchise is e-godded as I don't know if that's the correct way to say it, but that's why I'm saying it. So get over it. <laughs> e-godded. E-godded. Yeah. And then we have a few couple of fan, but why those? So at CJ writes things, the Lion King matters to me because at its core, it is a story about a son trying to live up to his father's example. Given that my dad is the person I know and love best in the world. It resonates with me to this day. Favorite song is Be Prepared. Favorite character, Simba. Not to be confused with Kimba. At Gosu083, I think The Lion King Manners because it's a great example of how serious storytelling can be adapted for kids. As it's basically Hamlet with animals, it uses serious themes and presents them in a package a kid can handle. I couldn't handle it. I could. Mufasa dying? I couldn't handle it. adults that can't handle it. Um, how do I pronounce this case? Is Kem Kemosu Mills? Kem? I don't know. Kemosi Mills. Kemosi Mills. I don't know. At Kemosi Mills, The Lion King matters to me because it is one of my favorite movies my mother saw in the theaters while she was pregnant with me. My favorite song is "I Just Can't Wait to Be King," and my favorite moment is when Simba cry climbs Pride Rock and roars. There's actually a scene in. Kimba, the white lion, with that scene as well, which is very sad. <laughs> wah, wah. Wah, wah. Um, at Swara Seawalker, Swara, come back and come on an episode against you. The Lion King is a definition of an epic film. The music, the character design, storytelling, and everything comes together in a near perfect way. I've loved this film my whole life and see it as a parable for learning from the past to become the king. You are always meant to be. Yeah. And those are our family. Why those? Any closing thoughts as we close out The Lion King? Mm, no. I mean, I'm 
it, we kind of covered it all. I think that this is probably one of the like crown jewels in Disney's in, in Disney's Infinity Gauntlet of animation. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just kind of thinking back, like there's, it's one of those things. Like I don't think about the Disney animated movies a lot until I start thinking about them. Like usually on on this podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna just say, "Be Prepared" is my favorite villain song with like unfortunate souls right under there. Um, so yeah, go Scar, not go Scar. I shouldn't say that. I like Scar a lot. Matt. Um, I know it was big. I know it was huge. I remember it went up growing up, how much people loved this movie and I knew it made a lot of money. Um, I expect sadly the live action will make a lot of money. And I say sadly, as in means we're just going to get a bunch of others crap, which we're not having to do any creativity anymore. Um, but um, the music's still great. Um, I still don't mind listening to the songs and whatnot. It's still probably in tier three for me at this point, sadly. But I know a lot of people love it. And people cry. <laughs> uh, for me, I think the biggest thing that, I mean, it's always, I think it's my favorite for sure. And I think looking at its production history and it like not being made to be the best or one of the best. And it coming out on top of things like Pocahontas and like other things and like the Disney Renaissance, I think really shows how well done the movie is made despite its controversies and, and things like that. Um, it's just really good and I really like it. And like this, there's like a handful of like Disney movies that I don't really want to show like kids in the future, my kids in the future. The Lion King is one of those. And that's kind of how I look at it. Like which movies, like what animated movies am I going to show my kids in the future? And yeah. this is definitely one of those because I'm definitely going to be recording him or her during Mufasa's death scene <laughs> to see what happens. Um, are you preparing for your own death? Yeah. I'm like, hey, are you going to throw me off a cliff? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> I'm lost. <laughs> uh, I'm, I mean, I'm going to go see the anime, the, the remake or whatever you want to call it, just because I like The Lion King. It's basically what's like giving me... They, 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 they had that ticket sold in 2017 when it was announced, so... I'm going to go see it at least once in the theater and I can't wait for the live action remake of the Lion King one and a half. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't, don't make that please. No one wants that. No, but that's all I got. The Lion King. It's a circle of life. <laughs> all right. Circle all the way back around to Kate. Take us out of here. Yeah, as always, you can find us on social media at ButWhyThePC on everything. And if you like this episode and or just like us and want to support us a little bit more, head on over to patreon.com slash ButWhyThePC. And you can find me on Twitter at OhMyMethRandier. Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z, 93. Matt? I always wonder about in the beginning of this movie when he says anything the light touches is yours. I always wonder if I could do that. Just run outside going, mine. I see all of it. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know how that works, but <laughs> circle of life, XYZ. I don't know. Oh, God. You may never go there, Matt. <laughs>